Okay. And as you come back and settle in, we'll, we're going to go back into a sitting meditation. Um, we're going to do more compassion meditation this time uh, with not just ourselves, but welcoming in um, another person. Uh, much like we did yesterday, but we're going to go in the reverse order of yesterday. If you are really working with yourself in this area and you don't feel ready to bring compassion to a loved one, um, then don't worry about that. Just stick with yourself. Uh, None of this has to be rushed and... You might hear some of the instructions then <clears throat> for bringing in um, a loved one. And in your own time, you can do that. So don't feel pressure to um, move through to the next person. Uh, sometimes it just feels too rushed. And then others of you will just follow along with the guidance. Um, and that'll be great. finding their comfortable spot. Some of you already have your eyes closed and are bringing your attention inward, starting with those deeper breaths. Grounding your attention into the body. Taking some time to settle in.
Bring in that element of tenderness. Care for your well-being. Tenderness of touch gives our mind the signal. It's okay to relax. Allow the heart to be open as much as it can. Breathing in a way that is soothing, expanding in the chest instead of collapsing. Relaxing the muscles. Getting in touch with that care. Tenderness of heart. Might notice through the day that it changes. Sometimes it's really available. It's right there. And other times it feels elusive or not so accessible. It really helps to not have some kind of expectation of how it should be. Stay in touch with the changing nature of everything, including this availability of an open heart. Sometimes it's like the doors are wide open. And other times the door is shut and all that's available is the peephole. We can work with this practice either way. Inclining towards this opening and tenderness and care. Respecting the heart and the mind's own time to mature, to soften. There's no need to rush it. Simply being present with what's available and setting the intention.
any difficulty, suffering, dukkha is arising. And bring in compassion. Breathing with this sense of care for this part of the experience. Using the phrases that meet the experience well. Help incline this heart to open and the mind to stay steady with whatever the difficulty is.
May I hold this difficulty with patience. May I hold it with compassion. May I find ease in the struggle. You're fighting in this moment, just acknowledging the dukkha in that. This is dukkha, this resistance, this aversion, restlessness, whatever it is, fear of what might be there, fear of unknown. I see you. I hold even this with compassion. Hold this in that attitude of tenderness and care. Not flinching away. Staying open, as open as possible. 
Finding ease in the struggle. Finding the strength in the power of compassion. Strength in your presence. If you'd like, you can stay with this compassion for self. You can also um, bring in someone who you care about, someone who has been struggling lately. This could be someone close to you. It could just be someone you know. Your struggle could be great, or it could be uh, just some stress or indecision, some stuckness. It may be that you've been feeling concern for them or even fear for them. Your heart might ache as you think about them in their own struggle. Start with being in touch with your own relationship with their struggle. Find it triggers something within you that seems closer to dukkha. Then hold that too within this field of compassion. Seeing if you can shift the lens from worry, fear, maybe even anger, to seeing the dukkha being experienced by this other person whom you care about. Seeing how through their own fear and worry, anger, confusion, that's connected to their current situation. Recognizing the dukkha in them and the dukkha within yourself. 
allowing the heart to be tender here. Remember that compassion is not pity. We can acknowledge that the suffering in others is not different from the suffering that we know ourselves. So you might find yourself bringing in some of these compassion phrases. Acknowledging this person's suffering. I see your suffering. I care about your suffering. I hold you with compassion. Breathing deeply with this intention. As you breathe in, sometimes it helps to imagine yourself filling with this breath of compassion, feeling that warmth and tenderness. And as you breathe out, wishing for that compassion and well-being and care for this other person. I see your suffering. I hold you with compassion. And if it's complicated, and your own feelings of grief, or anger, fear, confusion, feel like they're getting in the way in some way, just fold it in. Allow it to be part of the experience because it already is. I see our suffering. May I hold both of us with compassion. Breathing deeply. It's okay to wish for the well-being, the safety, 
the health of this other person, being in touch with your own sense of care for them. May you find ease in your suffering. May you find safety and happiness. May you find peace. Folding in your own complicated reactions, triggers. Keep yourself in that field of compassion if that's needed. Meeting the resistance or whatever is showing up. If you're not meeting resistance and you're feeling this flow of compassion really strongly, again, it might be that the words aren't necessary anymore and you can just focus on this feeling of compassion, of an open heart towards the struggle of others and yourself. Let that radiate outward with your breath Let it fill your whole body. This is healing energy. Remember, if it becomes overwhelming, you can back out of it, open your eyes. You can come back to the grounding practice and the breath. Take your time.
Now we're going to bring our attention away from this other person. You can do so in your mind, in your imagination, in whatever way feels uh, like it will be complete for now. It might be in your mind imagining yourself bowing to this person. Maybe it's an embrace or a wave, some kind of offering, some acknowledgement that even if the relationship is complicated, that this particular person you're working with is someone you care about and someone you're learning from. Bringing your attention back to yourself. Noticing if there's any residue of complication in the heart. Any resistance. Fully bringing that compassion and tenderness now to yourself. Each of us is imperfect in so many ways. These hearts and minds, they operate in ways that aren't always so helpful, that are closed down at times or reactive at other times. But our hearts and minds, they do this out of this strange way of protecting are old patterns to protect ourselves. And in that way, these confused parts of ourselves, there's a dearness to them. There's something so sweet in that confusion. Even though it's not wisdom, these hindrances don't come from wisdom. They do come from a misguided attempt to protect. So we can bring some care and compassion to these parts of ourselves. Acknowledging them, assuring them that even though they may not leave now or anytime soon, that they can relax. They're not as necessary as they may have been. When they're ready, they can go. Think deeply. back to just our breath. Not needing to do anything but be with the breath, that natural rhythm. 
inclining the mind and the body to just rest for a moment. Bring your attention back to the sensations that ground you. Thing to do, just rest. Let's take a five-minute stretch and bathroom break. Even if you don't feel like you need it, at least stand yourself up and move the body a little bit. It'll be good for you. And we'll ring a bell in five minutes.
So we have a little bit of time now um, before lunch to see if there's any questions, anything you want to check in about um, the practice so far. And um, I just want to encourage you that if you do have something that you're, you want to ask or maybe the, there isn't a formed question yet, but um, want to share something you're experiencing to just check in about it, uh, when we share that in the larger group, uh, it's, it's really nice for everyone. <laughs> a lot of the times what you may think is just you, uh, there are other people in the room who are experiencing something similar. And so when I respond maybe directly to you, um, really I'm responding to everybody because so much of our experiences are linked in some way. So... Uh, Let's hear if there's anything. Yeah, here we go. My default setting uh-huh. It's when I block it. Um, it's when I block it that uh, I begin to feel that friction. Uh-huh. And the reason I block it is um, because of a lack of compassion um, in others or my partner where I identify that. Um, I feel like, uh, well, that should be punished or that should mm-hmm. be, you know, and then that makes me feel very uncomfortable about myself. Mm-hmm. And so then that, then that's that hindrance of doubt, mm-hmm. self-doubt. How, so how do you, how, how do you, how do you balance compassion for self and compassion for others? Yeah. So uh, I, I want to back up a little bit and then come circle back to your, your question and just, because um, I bet this is something, I probably we all do, where maybe there's compassion there. It, it flows really easily in certain circumstances, maybe, maybe all through our day. And then um, we are confronted by something that, you know, our knee-jerk reaction is, you don't deserve this compassion, <laughs> right? Yes. Everybody but you. <laughs> and so often, and because you mentioned uh, your partner, that it's the people, you know, sometimes it's not people close to us, but a lot of the times it's people who are close to us, right? And we're in some kind of relationship with. And it's this closing that happens, um, this and um, it's just, it's very natural, and that's why this is a practice. It's starting to see where are the places where my heart closes. Is there a possibility to stay open to everyone? And ultimately, this practice, all the heart practices, I named the Brahma Viharas yesterday, which was um, the loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. When those are fully developed, um, those become the lenses in which we are um, looking through. And the heart doesn't close to even our most difficult people. It doesn't mean we have to welcome them into our home, (laughs) but as far as um, really understanding, for example, with compassion, that uh, people who are acting in, in cruel, um, uh, confused, greedy, hateful ways, that there's dukkha there. 
There's great suffering there, connecting it back to our own suffering. And then within that relationship, the heart uh, can stay open. That's long, that's like the big outcome of compassion practice. It's not where most of us are at. So where we might be at now is just seeing where does it close? Where, where um, you know, is the edge of my practice here? And then in terms of then how to work with that with yourself, you know, we see our edges where that, that compassion isn't perfect. And start to notice the relationship, our relationship with that, our imperfection, with our um, not having this fully developed. You know, it can easily go into doubt. It can go into self-judgment. Um, uh, you know, turn inwards into a lot of um, even self-hating. Um, and so that's where the practice is. So then there's your dukkha. And continue to bring in these practices towards that. So, um, in a way, I just keep, I think of it as like we're, we just keep folding in these parts of ourselves. You know, there's the resistance, oh, I don't want to do compassion right now. Oh, may I be compassionate with that? Um, you know, oh, that person doesn't deserve. Uh, my compassion. Oh, what a horrible person I am. Oh, may I hold that part of myself with compassion. And we just, there's no, we're not rejecting and we're practicing how to just be with all of these these states. And it doesn't end with just being compassionate. This is part of um, a larger web of understanding where then wisdom starts to come in to this as well. And we start to see, you know, all of these different structures in the mind that that are built out of our ignorance, out of our delusions and um, our fears, our greediness, our own hatred, all of that. And so it aids in this process of uprooting these things. It's not just about, oh, may I love everything, but it's in a process of... May I may hold all these things so that I can uproot them in time, and that's that's the work that we're doing. Does that? We're weeding. We're weeding. <laughs> we're weeding. We're weeding. There's. Oh, how about we'll we'll go back here and then we'll come up here. So can't actually see you. I just saw a big a hand shoot up. <laughs> oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just being close and I hope it's working. Okay. So people can see me, but oh, that's um, great. I just found that the tenderness practice was much more accessible to me. And then as we started to switch more into compassion, it started feeling very abstract and I just sort of like came to, back to a that tenderness practice, but it wasn't yeah. really possible for me to go past that. Yeah. So I'm just interested in like others' experience with that, or if there's sort of things that help you focus on that like slightly different flavor of yeah. compassion. I'm so glad you said that. That's why um, I've I've developed the tenderness practice. That's not a Buddhist practice. <laughs> That's something that I brought in it's similar to a meta practice but its own flavor um, uh, 
because I find sometimes when the heart is just contracted or we just haven't developed a relationship yet with, let's say, self-compassion, we're not quite sure how that feels or, you know, what the framework is of that, that tenderness, it's its this baby step. <laughs> and um, even if we have been working with compassion for a long time, uh, when when we're really that contracted, uh, that this tenderness, sometimes that that we can do. And it might be that compassion is just, it's another step and we're just not there yet. Um, I, I developed it late in my um, meditation um, experience during a time of, of real grief. And I couldn't open to compassion, but I could open to that, that care for myself. And I spent many, many weeks with tenderness practice not compassion practice, really. I mean, it turns into compassion because it's a care for um, the difficult, but it's just a different lens, I think, or a different way of approaching it. And I spent weeks just doing this and breathing and staying with um, all that that difficulty. It was all I could do to stay with it, you know, without my mind just like, forget it. <laughs> I want to think of something else because I don't want to be with it. Okay, it's okay. And so just this real tenderness. I spent a lot of time laying on the couch with a hand on my heart and my belly and just breathing in that way and feeling that tenderness, that care. And, um, and sometimes we have to spend a lot of time there. And as far as compassion feeling maybe, um, what did you say? What was the word you used? Abstract. Abstract. Yeah. It can feel that way in the description. My, my guess is we've, we have all felt it. You, fe- you have felt it. Those moments where you see someone um, who is really struggling and the heart just opens and we feel, you know, maybe you tear up or you feel your breath suddenly kind of take in that struggle. Um, we've all had moments of feeling compassion, um, that this is a human quality that we have. It's not a Buddhist quality, it's a human quality. And then as we start to talk about it, it gets, you know, we're trying to understand it in this intellectual way, maybe. And it takes some time for it to really sink in and be more of an intuitive um, uh, experience. And so if that's kind of where you're at, of just like, I don't, I don't quite get it, it's probably because it's a lot of thinking about how, what is this, am I doing it right, um, how am I really experiencing this? Uh, how many of you were, have been grappling with that a little bit this weekend? Yeah, so you're not alone. You're not alone. And it just takes time. It takes time for it to, to be more of something that's um, experiential and felt and known, really known, uh, than just intellectually understood. Um,
need to let go of of, of the pain or of the grief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how much time is time? You know what I mean? Wouldn't we all love to know? <laughs> yeah, it's I a mean, it's a good question. Right, but you can't let it go on before. That's yeah. Because yeah, it t- it totally depends on what it is. It's not on our mind yeah, schedule. I mean, there is no 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 time. And it it doesn't even live in linear time. You know, we'll we'll think, oh, we're done with this. And then years later, that old pain comes up, and it's like, I dealt with this. I let go of this. Like, I went through that whole process. It was beautiful. I was done, and now it's here again. What the hell, you know? And so it just doesn't even live within our sense of time, our understanding of time. And um, that in itself is a letting go pra- practice of letting go of our expectation of how long certain things should be here. Um, but there is a process of um, seeing things like pain and and um, how n- noticing how we're identifying with it. And this is key to the process of letting go. If we are identified with our pain and our struggle in a way where we are just kind of hanging on to it, like it's a part of who we are, and without it, who would we be? That kind of... Yeah, so that's where the work is. It's not so much than um, letting go of the pain itself. Let's just use pain for the example. But rather starting to see how we're strongly identified with it and and inclining, because we can't we can't force it. Um, inclining towards this letting go of the identity around it, envisioning what would I, who would I be without, who would I be without this? What would my life look like? Is there some way that I can shift and start um, living in that way, or is it too soon? You know, we're engaged with this process. And we're questioning and we're looking and understanding more and more. And, um, you know, if we had uh, the the one thing that would allow us to let go of all of it like that, then we would do it. But we don't, we, it just doesn't work that way. And so we're, um, we're just, we just keep looking at it in these different angles. But, but that is a key to to the letting go is is looking at the identity with um, these parts of ourself. And again, that's really different from denying it as something that is within us, right? Like that doesn't mean we're saying, you know, somehow deny these parts, but just noticing how am I living my life in a way where I'm depending on this part of me to navigate and is that really helpful at this point? Do I real? Do I need to do that? And explore that question. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was we had said back there, and then over here, <laughs> and we jumped up a little fast. So let's come over back over here. Can you raise your hand? There you go. So there might not be an answer to my comment, probably isn't, but I run into um, a conflict 
with compassion and unconditional love. When I encounter and observe um, forces that that are harmful, harmful to humanity and an insult to the human soul. Mm-hmm. And so I'm running into a logjam <coughs> of, yes, compassion for this force or person or group of people that are inflicting harm purposefully. Yes, I have compassion that they might be uh, in conflict themselves. But then, in observing the harm being done, my compassion runs into a wall, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I grapple with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because just having the compassion isn't enough. And um, con- it, having compassion for someone else's confusion or delusion, um, the separation that must be there in order to create such harm, that separation is incredible dukkha, whether they know it or not. Um, And we all have some of that. We can identify different ways that we enact these things um, in our own way. And having developing compassion for all beings doesn't mean condoning behavior, speech, um, actions that are based in hate, greed, or delusion. And um, it doesn't mean, you know, sitting on the sidelines. It doesn't mean doing all your work just on the cushion, um, practicing uh, your your for your own well being and and wishing for the well being of others. It's a it's it's important, but it's also important to resist and meet as we do in our own minds and hearts with that grounded steadiness, and even with an open heart, all of the harm that is happening. And we can't meet it all individually, but I mean we meet it as a community uh, or, you know, within joining other communities and actually standing up against these forces. But in order to do that well and in order to have it be an effective uh, stance, this inner work also has to be happening. I have a friend who recently said to me that he thinks that more meditators need to become activists, get off their cushions and become activists, and more activists need to get on a cushion. (laughs) I think he's right. (laughs) There's something to that. That both are needed. You know, it's not a one or the other thing. Um, so it's okay to be grappling with that. 
because it's it's calling you that something maybe else is needed. Um, and we will come to this uh, compassion and action and fold in compassion for all beings as we go through the day. Um, I've I've clearly gone off our our schedule of things um, to meet more of what I'm feeling is needed in this group. So that is one of the things that I feel is needed. So we will go there, um, but we're we're working up to it right now. So hopefully that'll bring some some sense of clarity around that. But I think it's a good question to have and to keep bringing that into yourself, into your own experience, and see wh- how you might meet that question um, over time. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we can go one and then two. Thanks. Um, I want to get back to the, the, the question about um, tenderness versus compassion, because yeah. it was kind of interesting to me. I felt kind of the same way. And the distinction that happened to me was when we talked, when we did the tenderness uh, practice, it was associated with dukkha, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was directed to the self. Mm-hmm. And it was about holding. Mm-hmm. So there was like a physicality to it. Yeah. So I think that accentuated the, in my mind, it kind of amplified the feeling. Uh, and I found myself, you know, crying through it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talked about compassion, it seemed to be directed outward to someone else rather than to the self. Mm. So there is, and it, it wasn't necessarily associated with dukkha, mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm. Not the physicality that I felt when I did the tenderness practice. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if you, if you intentionally designed it that way and whether those distinctions are appropriate or not. Yeah, maybe um, just some clarification will be helpful because I... I um, the way that I guided it actually um, may not be how it was experienced, um, and, which is fine. I, I'm so happy that the tenderness practice was um, one that, that you connected with, it sounds like. And so tenderness practice is one that we can do whether there's dukkha or not. So it's almost flipped. So tenderness practice is just this... as getting in touch with our overall care, this general care for our well-being, whether our well-being is um, being challenged or not. And so we can come into this relationship, though, of uh, with this tenderness. And what that tenderness is doing, um, and, you know, however we're experiencing it, whether it's we are directing it to some kind of hurt, or if we are using it um, just in this general way of just getting in touch with this part of ourselves, is it, it starts to create um, some vulnerability in the heart. It starts to let whatever the guards are or the walls are that we may have up automatically, that we may or may not even know they're there, it b- begins to bring those down and we become more available. The heart becomes a little more open in this step, in this particular step. And then compassion actually is specifically for um, um, turning towards and holding the dukkha. So in in that framework of the Brahma Viharas, um, metta was kind of this overall attitude of kindness 
or friendliness to whatever was arising. And then, um, so it gives this baseline. And then when suffering arises, the heart turns towards it. And the way it does that is through compassion. Uh, When we see happiness and joy, it turns to um, sympathetic joy. So we wouldn't turn towards, um, uh, you know, happiness. Uh, Let's say someone came to you and said, I got the job. You wouldn't feel compassion. You would feel joy with them. If someone came to you and said, I just lost my job. I don't know what to do. The heart goes to, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. This is really hard. It turns to compassion. So compassion is ultimately uh, the natural movement of the heart when it's free from all the things that get in the way of that. Um, So it is the response to the suffering. And it can be the suffering within ourselves. So I actually guided us, and it may have gotten conflated with the tenderness practice um, when you were doing it, but I guided us in directing compassion towards ourselves, and so we can bring that compassion to our own difficulties, whatever the, however it's showing up, whether it's subtle, like a subtle hindrance coming in, like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this. There's the dukkha. It, you know, I'm bringing that in. You know, it's okay. I see you. This is this is a challenge. May hold also this with compassion, or you know, great fear coming in. Oh, this is this is fear. I see it. May I hold this the best that I can with compassion. You know, really feeling into this is this is struggle. This is dukkha, and then we can do that for others. Um, so then we had our loved one uh, who is suffers, thinking of someone who's suffering, going through a hard time, and connecting uh, that their suffering is something we can relate to because we know what it feels like to suffer. When we can realize our own suffering and spend time with it and, and have this relationship of how, how to be with that, it becomes more available. We start to realize and, and see the suffering of other people and our heart can open. I know, I know the suffering. I know, um, you may not know their exact circumstances, but um, the connection can be in the suffering and have the, the heart open instead of it turning into a pity feeling for that person, which is separation um, or overwhelm, like you're taking on their suffering, their suffering becomes your suffering, um, or something even uh, far uh, more removed, uh, which might be like the closing of the heart, of, of anger towards them, of um, a lot of judgment or something like that, uh, which is also natural, but we're working to come back into relationship in this way with an open heart. So that's so that's really compassion. Does that clarify it? Yeah, I think so. I I still not clear on the distinction between tenderness compassion. and compassion. Well, they're really close together in a way. I mean, when tenderness meets the suffering, it really does turn into compassion. But we can also practice this tenderness without um, there being some real formed 
difficulty there. We can we can get in touch with just this general care. You know, I I do I care about myself. I care about my well being. Um, yeah, so that's that's a little different. And the way in, you know, traditionally you, you won't find the monks and nuns sitting there embracing themselves and and doing going through this uh, process of 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 tenderizing. And maybe you know you know we don't all need that. But I just found that there were times where, when I really needed the compassion, I couldn't quite get there because I I wasn't tender. I needed that first step, and so that was that's the idea of bringing that in as kind of a first step, baby step, and then going into a compassion practice. Yeah, I, I think you know my my impression is that the tenderness went deeper. Mm-hmm. In terms of how it felt, as as compared to the compassion. Wonderful, and then so if that's true, and if that's true for others, you know, stay with that. <laughs> There's no um, if that's what's really resonating, then staying with that as as a practice for a while, and then not excluding compassion practice. You know, you might come back to that later, and it might really land later on, but it might be that right now it's the tenderness practice that's needed and so it's it's alive where where maybe compassion practice um just isn't yet but i believe it it will over time with a lot of tenderness practice it it just will so yeah okay i know you have uh one more quick is it um do you want to come up afterwards uh and ask quickly before it's okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Let's um let's take our lunch break. Um I again just like yesterday, I recommend a silent lunch um just to keep you inward and in this kind of retreat uh stew <laughs> that you're in. And um Again, you know, sometimes if we're here, you're here with somebody and you just, you want to talk something out and they're okay with it, um, you know, that is that is actually fine with me. Uh, but you might sit away from other people who are, are inward and being quiet. Um, and then if you are going to talk a little bit, monitor yourself. Don't go full on in, especially into to subjects that aren't related to what we're doing here because that will really pull you out of what we're doing. Um, it can take a while to get back into it. So enjoy your lunch. Uh, there's people on the sign-up. Oh, whose last name is Wellwood? Who is that? Did maybe, um, no, well, Wellward? Maybe it's Woodward. That's it. It's you, Woodroof. Okay, so I put you on for right now to meet with me. Okay, wonderful. Oh, good, okay. Enjoy your lunch. We'll be back at 1.30, and a bell will be rung 10 minutes ahead of time at uh, 1.20.
There, is it on? <laughs> okay. Good. How was lunch? That was okay. Good? Enjoyable? Good. So why don't we do um, a short grounding meditation just to shift back into this practice. So notice, just like yesterday, the afternoons for most people, we notice that our energy is a little bit different, especially after eating. You might need to sit up a little taller in your chair, even keeping the eyes open slightly and looking downward, letting that light in can be helpful. Taking deep breaths. If you're feeling sleepy, putting more attention on the in-breath. If you're working with any anxiety, restlessness, then more emphasis on the out-breath. And then when you're ready, bring your attention down into the body. Feeling those places of contact with the chair, the floor, the cushion. Encourage your Awareness to settle down, grounding into these sensations of sitting here. Feeling the heaviness of the body here.
If you'd like to bring in the breath again, this time allowing the body to breathe on its own, not needing to control it. Paying attention to those sensations that let you know that you're breathing. Mind wanders. The moment you notice it, you're present again. The attitude of kindness with gentleness. Bring your attention back to the body sitting here, back to the breath.
So I'd like us to um, not fully shift away from the compassion practice, but um, I guess add on another practice that um, we'll explore separately from compassion, but I think you'll see that the two are very intertwined. And that is uh, the practice of forgiveness. Some of you may have already encountered that this is a roadblock to opening up with compassion. That this process of forgiveness hasn't actually been gone through yet, and so it feels maybe too rushed to jump into compassion. This could be forgiveness um, that you are actually needing to receive for something that you've done. It might be forgiveness uh, for yourself, to yourself. And it might be uh, forgiving somebody who's done something uh, harmful to you. And so I want to bring in this specific practice, um, although not everyone may be feeling like they're needing forgiveness practice right now, just to know it and have it available Uh, is important because at some point this will probably be one that will be useful. The forgiveness practice is in a way like the compassion practice where we are inclining the mind in a certain way. We're not pushing it. We aren't forcing forgiveness but rather bringing in the intention or the suggestion that forgiveness could be possible. And the reason we do this is important, that we are really in touch with why it's important to, at some point, um, go through a forgiveness process with harm. Uh, So let's start there with just why this is important. And maybe the way to enter that is to flip it over and ask ourselves, what do we get out of, you know, when we don't forgive, when we hold on to the resentment or the, the anger, um, whatever this, the, the hurt, what, what is it that we're getting from that? Do we get something from that? Um, It's an open question. So this isn't one that um, there's necessarily a perfect answer to for all scenarios, but just something to to have bubble up in your mind right now. And uh, the way I'd like you to explore this is with somebody next to you. So just like yesterday in our our small groups of two, So if you would, turn towards somebody near you. It's okay if you know them. It's okay if you worked with them yesterday. Or maybe you want to find somebody new. Try to make it groups of two. If you need a partner, just raise your hand. So there's someone in need of a partner back here. Raise your hand if you don't have a partner. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. 
Does everyone have somebody? Okay. Great. And I, I appreciate you remembering from yesterday, turning the chairs towards, yourself, towards each other, um, the mats towards each other, that everyone's on the same level. This looks great. Okay. So this is um, really meant to be an exploration. Uh, it might touch upon real specifics for you. But um, you don't need to disclose them during this practice. I, I think that oftentimes when forgiveness is tied in, this is a very tender place. Because it means that there's somewhere there's been harm. Whether we've caused it or it's been caused to us. Uh, so just to hold that carefully. And that I'm not asking you to disclose this harm to the stranger in front of you. What I am asking you to do is explore this question of what do I get out of not engaging in forgiveness? And you might immediately think, nothing. And that's, <laughs> that's just fine. But I want you to question, like, what are the patterns, the subtle patterns that you might have that thinks, well... I'll forgive them later, but right now I really want them to feel, you know, my cutoff, you know, of them, or however it is that you um, work with this uh, in a real way with with either the people you love or maybe people you don't love, <laughs> um, and and be honest with yourself. And if you can't come up with your own way of how you might hold it. It's okay to also respond as how one might, um, uh, why one might not forgive, and explore it in that way. It's still beneficial to to explore it. We'll do it like we did yesterday with the back and forth. So one person will say something, and then they'll stop, and then the next person will go, and they will say something, and you'll go back and forth for about two minutes. Okay. Any questions? Yes. Yeah, if you feel if you feel some comfort in that, although I do want the responses to be short so there can be that back and forth. But yeah, if there's something that you just it doesn't make sense unless you bring in a specific, that's just fine. Um, but I want people to really feel held in in knowing that they don't have to um, do that right now. This isn't like a full disclosure kind of moment. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, you mean, um, let me just see if I understand that you want to explore this for self as well as other. Yes, that's, you, can, you can expand it out as much in as many directions as you want. I think that's, that's good. Okay. So um, how about uh, silently, one of you raise your hand, the person who's willing to go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's an agreement of who will go first, and then remember, you'll just go back and forth for, um, no, <laughs> that's a different day long. <laughs>
Okay. So let's let's come back inward before we start. It's a two-minute deal. <laughs> Bring your attention back to your body, back to your breath. Let your eyes close. You don't have to plan what you're going to say. Just be right here with yourself. Notice how you feel. You can then open your eyes, and the person who agreed to go first, you can begin. You can finish what you're saying and then bring your attention inward again. You can stay where you are. Feel your body here. Feel your breath. Now, we'll do one more. And this time... uh, The question is, what would it be like in your life? Or it might even be, who? who, what would you be like if you forgave? And that is a very general forgave. 
can be for many, many things. And again, this isn't, the spirit of this is not to go into full disclosure. And so your response really doesn't have to explain where it's coming from. And I offer that just as a protection of the tenderness of these places that we're touching upon. What would it be like if you forgave? So the person who spoke second, you can begin this time. You can open your eyes and begin. Two minutes. Finish what you're saying. Bring your attention back to the body and the breath. Go ahead and thank your partner for sharing and listening. And then you can turn your chair back to the front or your seat back to the front.
Okay. So, um, let's hear a little bit from uh, from every from, well, not from everyone. We couldn't hear from everyone, but from some of you. Uh, first, what were the why? You know, what were the benefits of not forgiving? What did you come up with? You can just say them out loud. Being a victim, I guess you say a victim. Being a victim, mm-hmm. Yeah, the same. Was, or yeah, I similar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ah, this. Ah, a feeling like to forgive would make you the victim. Is that what you're saying, or to continue being a victim? Yeah. Okay. Yes. A sense of power and control. Power and control. Hmm. Hmm. Habitual thinking. Stay in habitual thinking. Yeah. Self righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not forgiving oh. has such a bad rap. Not forgiving. <laughs> That's a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. And then behind. Uh huh. Yeah, so there's a protection element here. Yeah? Mm hmm. Yeah, I get it. A testament to the ego. Mm hmm. Yes? Yeah. So does there is there an element of like this is your burden to bear because of the harm that you caused? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yes, last one. Yes. <laughs> There's a formula to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is great. We're unpacking this a little bit. What about the other question about what would it be like if you did forgive? And let's let's point in that I kept it really vague, but um, now that we had, we just disclosed the, that first one. Um, what if the timing was right and you forgave? What would that? What would that be like? It liberates you. Liberates freedom, joy. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we thought in, in some ways it compelled you to participate in this person's life. Oh. And Mm-hmm. To participate or not to participate. Yeah, yeah. And and some of the fear of maybe not forgiving can be tied up in the, in the latter of uh, the earlier one of, of, you know, if I forgive, then I'm, I have to be back in their life. But right, I think that choice piece is more true. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about how... Right. So how do I protect that? That might be also a tie-in for the compassion practices right there. Yeah. But yeah, these are old... Some of these things are old habits, are old ways... It's so dear. We just want to protect ourselves in a lot of these cases. Uh, so it's good to see some of that. Yes? True. Yes. Should forgiveness be unconditional? That's a, a perfect segue <laughs> into what I want to touch upon. Um, it's a great question, and it's kind of one that encapsulates what we're exploring here. Uh, there is a timeliness piece to it. And the timely piece to it is related, it might be related to what the harm was. It might also be related to our own understanding of the power of forgiveness and what it is to forgive. What is it that we're doing? What is being released inside ourselves when we engage in forgiveness? If we, when we just say, okay, I forgive you, or just like brush it off, you know, 
sometimes maybe that works in certain circumstances. Uh, I kind of wonder, though, if there's still some residue there. Um, I think when we're, we feel like we should forgive, should is a dangerous word. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of should. That should is denying um, what's really going on. What's really happening? This whole practice is about going inward, seeing what what is really here. Is there forgiveness here? Is it available in this moment? Um, is something else needing to be tended to first so that I feel safe, so that um, I really understand what comes next once I've forgiven and this is related to forgiving others, asking forgiveness, and also forgiving ourselves. This, this speaks to all of it. That the, the process of, um, of forgiveness, uh, it really is an internal one. You know, there's, um, there's a way that sometimes forgiveness is talked about in the Buddhist tradition where the example is uh, that you have this hot coal and this can be related to hate and anger and also to resentment of which comes along with the not forgiving. And you have this hot coal and you're ready to lob it over at whoever you feel deserves that and you might strike that person and they might really be harmed by it. But the process of that is you being burned yourself. There's no way you can do it without being burned personally. Now, with that said, in terms of forgiveness, um, when we start to really understand that and see that within ourselves, what are the different ego structures that are um, holding this up, ways that we're identifying with it, but also just what are the parts of us that are being re-injured. You know, oftentimes when we there's harm done to us, it brings in old stuff that may or may not have been dealt with already. Like, So what is going on with this, this hurt? How does this um, uh, forgiveness work with what's actually present right now? And so as we're we're holding that hot coal, um, or even if we've released <laughs> released it, and now we're dirt, we're still dealing with that that burn. I think that the practice of forgiveness, actually engaging in it as a practice, rather than this thing that we need to do, that we need to get done, to move on, to let go, to be enlightened, whatever the object is, um, to just forget about whatever it was, you know, um, get past it. And we, we need to actually honor what is going on here. This can also relate to another person in um, being conscious of, you know, if we've caused harm, starting to see our own blind spots. How is it that we did that? Was it intentional? Was it out of our own ignorance? You know, are we um, doing this to 
manipulate or get some kind of situation that benefits us or that we think it should be happening? Um, or do we just do this thing that caused harm that was we were just totally oblivious of how we were doing that? Either way, this is all part of the practice. Coming back to our own accountability, what's going on that we were able to do that, consciously or unconsciously. And from that place, then engaging in asking for forgiveness. Not asking forgiveness because we just want to feel better and be done with it. So in in all these different ways that forgiveness can be um, part of our experience, it it does come back to this self-reflection and understanding of what's going on here. Any questions about what I've said? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but forgiveness, in, I guess in my mind, implies a caring towards the other person. And I, I, I or, or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. some sort of almost loving quality, or mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, um, but an attachment, I guess. Yeah. And I'm really not there. No. And I'm actually really comfortable in my acceptance. Yeah. And I feel like it's taken me a while just to get there. Yeah. And, but forgiveness, I, part of me, like, I have to say, the, some of it I think is why I want to try it is because I feel like outside judgment, which is probably really self-judgment for mm. not forgiving. Mm-hmm. But if if I took that piece out of it, I'd be like, I'm good. I've accepted it. I'm moving on. If yeah. I never see them again, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so. The, it's a, this is a great distinction. It is different. We can accept, yes, this happened. This happened. And actually, there, that is its own process of just, yeah, this, this did happen and I've moved on. And that's, but there is something different to forgiveness. And I hear what you're saying that not ready for that yet. Honor that. Really honor that. And it might be that um, if you're feeling some self-judgment around that, then there's where maybe maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's compassion for yourself around the you know the feeling of you know whatever it is, that self-judgment of I, sh- I should be better, I should, you know, have, be more compassionate or whatever it I is. Be I should be a better person. I should be able to do this. Oh, that's so hurtful. Hurtful to myself. May I forgive myself for um, being so hard on, on myself. Acknowledging that the process of forgiveness really is one that has its own pace. And for each instance, it seems, has its own pace. The more, though, we we bring this into our lives in different ways, so it might be that um, it might actually, this is important for today, there might be this like, great, I just want to get through this <laughs> and forgive this, this situation or this uh, person or myself in this way. But if you're not ready, if it's too big, 
don't go there yet. Choose something smaller. Bring it in in bite-sides, you know, ways that you're not, um, in ways where you're actually ready and capable. And allow that to be something that supports the groundwork for a larger situation where there needs to be forgiveness. So this thing that you're not ready, then you're not ready yet. And that's okay. Just, I feel like I'm, quote unquote, good at forgiving other people. I've forgiven yeah. many people, like, yep. you know, at, but I, but then there's like this degree, like, I, like, I feel like I don't have any, I don't feel like I have other people to work on because uh-huh. of those people, I'm it's very, already happened. I've forgiven them. Like, yeah. It just seems like a huge so, chasm between those two. So then people. it can be an intention. So, uh, you know, if you feel like someday I would like that to happen, then instead of may I forgive this person or this situation, um, getting in touch with the why you'd like to forgive, like what does that do for you? And then from that place, not from the should, but from that place, setting the intention that one day when I'm ready, may I forgive this person and, and, and work with it in that way. That it can be, and there can be some distance there from it. You're connected with it. You're not disconnecting from it. But that there can be distance between you and the person and this feeling of forgiveness, but that the intention is there. And that has its own way of working through us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you mean to the burn, really? <laughs> yeah, so the coal, I guess, is uh, representing um, whatever the the emotions or, um, yeah, those, those feelings that we may have about it. Um, and it's not really a thing. Those aren't really things. Those are, those are, as far as something tangible, you know, a piece of coal in this analogy is something very tangible. You could bury it. You could do lots of things with it. But actually, what, I, what it's pointing to is something that um, exists in our minds. And so it's not, you know, it's, it's not actually a tangible thing. And so what we can do is bring our attention to these feelings. Um, We can bring compassion to them. Maybe there's some self-forgiveness that has to come in if there's been um, some way that we've enacted those those feelings, you know, of of hate or um, resentment. Um. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that meets what you're saying, but... Um, I was just thinking a lot about the political situation. And sort of mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe starting a little smaller, but... <laughs> as a young, as a five-year-old boy who's in pain, and, like, yeah. so what happens to the coal 
Ah, I see. This is his coal. <laughs> yeah. 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 I see. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful, actually. It's a, um, it's a nice framework of not only is it his coal, but ours, right? Like the systemic whatever it is that keeps us hurting each other. Right and keeps the hate going. It's systemic. It's not. He's become. Um, yeah, he's a spokesperson for a, a, a lot uh, right now, but in history, uh, that doesn't hold. And um, even those of us who who think of us ourselves as, you know, wanting peace and equality and inclusion. Um, you know, there's ways in which that same kind of hurt, when you when you um, distill it down to its most basic forms, runs through our veins too, and we enact it in different ways. And so it is our coal. So what do we do with it? We start with this this personal transformation, and then from there, uh, as even even if it's not perfect yet. Um, but as we are working and understanding it more, the more we can bring that out into our actions and our words, as if we can start to respond to what's happening as, a fo- as opposed to just reacting, you know, which you know is kind of usually that uh, emotional knee-jerk, <laughs> just you know. But instead, if we can engage in it in a way that is a response that comes from wisdom and compassion. That's a really different way of engaging and will limit, hopefully, uh, further ripples of this harm, which if we're unconscious about it, even if we think we're on the right side, everyone thinks they're on the right side, by the way. Everyone thinks they're on the right side. And if we are engaging with each other with hatred for each other, it's the same. It's right. We're creating. We're just perpetuating the same things. Um, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one, one more, and then we'll um, do our practice. The um, for me, uh, two things in my own life. Um, I had a lot of violence growing up, and it took mm-hmm. a lot of time to um, get in relationship with what had happened, acceptance, and then forgiving myself. Um, I happened to, there's, I say, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's true. But I had to take responsibility for what I was going to do with that now. Mm -hmm. And I could stay in victim mode and be cynical and critical and just spread that and it's very painful i like what you said about taking little pieces and it took many many years the um and not pretty and not um perfectly Mm -hmm. but the commitment and the faith that i could do it and then translating that with what's going on politically for me it started with the bush administration and the the master or the teacher i was working with um said just for one minute julia read the newspaper and do your practice hmm. 
<laughs> and that was after in 2000 when we started the Iraq War. Yeah. And yeah. so I've been doing that practice. Oh, and good. I'd like to say it gets easier. And <laughs> I, that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I found some humor in it. And um, sometimes I can do it for five minutes. Sometimes I can do it for five seconds. Yeah. But for me, and this is really vulnerable for me to say, um, but everything I see in him, I've seen a piece in me mm-hmm. yeah. and been able to take responsibility and forgive myself. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I loved the exercise we just did. Wonderful. So that's all. Um, thank you. Yeah. Good. I, I'd like us to do the forgiveness practice um, with each other, but... I think um, it might help to just stand up and stretch for a moment and kind of just get the body some, some love here. And we will do some outdoor practice in a little bit. Okay, and then when you're ready, you can... Find where you want to be. So, I'm going to, um, I'm going to take us through these three stages of forgiveness. Let's see, which where do I start? Forgiveness uh, from from others, so people that we've caused harm to, uh, forgiveness for ourselves, and forgiveness for those who have harmed us, you. I'm going to go through each one. Now, I'm, I can't tell what you're doing with it, <laughs> um, so you really are responsible for your own mind and heart as I do this. I urge you, though, to please um, choose situations or people that you feel you're ready to be with. Um, If you choose your greatest offender and you're not ready, this gets really confusing. Um, Start with something smaller. Um, the other option is to start with someone you really do want to forgive and you feel like you're ready to at least have the intention to forgive at some point. Okay. And that might include yourself. Um, and that might even be somehow related to asking for forgiveness. Maybe you're not ready to ask for forgiveness either, but you'd like to intend to get there. Now, obviously, with asking for forgiveness, the person, you're not saying it directly to them. It's more, um, we're working with this internal process of coming into that state of openness and humbleness within ourself to, to ask that forgiveness so that there isn't some confusion there of how that works if the person's not here. Okay. All right. So to begin, we'll ground, taking some deeper breaths.
It helps uh, through this to stay as embodied as possible. So you can always come back to those sensations that let you know you are sitting in this chair or on this cushion, that you're on the floor. Feeling that stability from the posture, the strength of the posture, as well as the support. And bringing in this that tenderness quality, and however it's been working for you, whether it's through uh, the tenderness of touch, through the breath, getting in touch with your care for your own well-being. And then if you are feeling ready, I invite you to bring to mind someone whom you've somehow caused some harm, hurt feelings, didn't treat well. might filter through if there's a number of people and just choose one. If there's a particular situation that happened, then 
um, that involved a, a number of people and you feel like that's helpful to hold everyone together, that's fine. Being in touch with your own care for not wanting to cause harm. There's feelings of regret and sadness around this. Holding that very gently and carefully. Getting in touch with how it may have affected the other person or or people. Being in touch with your intention to show that you are ready for forgiveness if this is true. And if not, then getting in touch with your intention to be ready for forgiveness, to be forgiven. I'm going to read this paragraph and I want you to stay in touch with either the intention or the readiness for to ask for forgiveness as I read it. There are many ways that I have hurt and harmed others, have betrayed or abandoned them, caused them suffering knowingly or unknowingly. Out of my pain, fear, anger, and confusion. I ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Breathing in deep. It's okay to be in touch with whatever the pain is that comes up around this. It's okay to feel it. I ask for your forgiveness.
Notice if the mind is going into different scenarios, a lot of imagination, or maybe just spacing out. See if you can bring it back to this body, back to the breath. Back in touch with the actual feelings related to this forgiveness. You can hold it with tenderness, with compassion. It's okay to feel humbled by it. It's an important part of this process. If you find yourself overwhelmed with self-judgment, self-hatred, there's a way in which uh, we can hold that with self-compassion, that doesn't take away from that feeling of being humbled by the harm that we've been that we've caused that loathing of in self dislike or self-hatred is actually not necessary to ask for forgiveness and to move towards healing. It also doesn't aid us in moving forward to cause less harm in the world. So to bring the tenderness or the self-compassion towards it is actually a much wiser way of being with that part of the experience It might be also that you need some self-forgiveness. And so moving our attention to our own heart. Just as I have caused suffering to others, there are many ways that I have hurt and harmed myself. I have betrayed or abandoned myself many times in thought, word, or deed, knowingly or unknowingly. For the ways I have hurt myself through action or inaction, or of fear, pain, and confusion, I now extend a full and heartfelt forgiveness. Or it might be, I extend the intention of forgiveness. And to yourself, 
I forgive you. May I forgive myself. Again, breathing deeply. Breathing with the different emotions. Try to stay out of a bunch of ruminating. Come back to this body. I forgive myself. Bringing to mind now someone who you feel you're either ready to forgive or you're ready to have the intention to forgive them. Remember, it may be skillful to Choose a lesser offender, not your most challenging person right now. You are um, welcome to imagine this person far, far away from you. The practice of forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to welcome them here in any way. You can place them wherever you'd like. That helps the heart to soften and feel safe.
Forgiveness has to be met with wisdom. And it's not wise to put ourselves in the pathway of harm over and over. So this process of forgiveness really doesn't require enabling the offender to cause harm to you again. Knowing this, you can imagine saying to this person, there are many ways that I have been harmed by others, abused or abandoned, knowingly or unknowingly, in thought, word, or deed. I remember the many ways others have hurt, wounded, or harmed me out of fear, pain, confusion, and anger. I have carried this pain in my heart long enough to this extent that I am ready, I offer you forgiveness. Stay in touch with any residue, any triggering any realizations that may be uh, that you weren't as ready as you thought you were. We're also recognizing if that forgiveness feels complete, that there's some way that it's been let go. There is relief. Let yourself feel that if it's true. can stay with the forgiveness practice. Moving back to any of those categories that feels the most relevant to you. You can fold in the compassion practice as needed. 
as you encounter the hurt, the dukkha. Bring in these, the compassion phrases, the tenderness. As you, or if you find that you are really forgiving, and there's that feeling of relief or a feeling of letting go of something you've been holding a long time, also engaging in the compassion, or sorry, the tenderness practice staying with the tenderness of that forgiveness. Now, I invite you to come back to the breath. Just feel that easeful rhythm in the body. Let your mind rest on the sensations of breathing. Feel your body in the chair, on the cushion, or on the floor. Ground your attention here. Let it rest. Nothing to do right now. Just being in this moment.
So that is a taste of the forgiveness practice. I want to give you some outdoor time, get you in the fresh air. Um, Although this isn't necessarily a break from practice time, this is still practice, just like yesterday. I'd like you to use the nature, the outdoor space to continue your practice, um, to have it support you. You can continue with just grounding if that's what's needed, being with the breath. You can bring in the tenderness practice, the compassion practice. If you want to do some more work around the forgiveness practice, you can do that while you're out there. You can do it walking. You might walk, going back and forth, or just taking yourself for a walk. Um, You can find a place to sit outside. Uh, Every now and then, if you are walking, just stopping and standing still to collect yourself is really helpful. Something to keep in mind. Um, In terms of where to go, um, you'll have uh, a good amount of time, about 30 minutes, so I'd like you to, um, if, if you're more comfortable to be near the building, you're very welcome to. Um, you can stay uh, on the patio out front. And there's also a few bunches just as you come down the stairs that are right next to the road there. Um, there's a few benches if you go up the ro- road a little bit before you hit the gate. Um, there's a couple of benches there as well. Please don't go past the gate. There's a big sign that says don't go past the gate, um, so I know you won't. There's the meadow across the way here. If you go through the parking lot over the bridge, there's a really beautiful meadow there. There's even a trail that kind of heads off into the woods here. It eventually goes up the hill. That's probably uh, going a little too far for the amount of time that you have. But if you want to kind of wander over there, that's great. You could go down the road and visit the horses, if that would feel good to you. Um, And just be back here by 3.30, and a bell will be rung 10 minutes ahead of time. Um, Those of you who are meeting with me during this time, uh, you know who you are. And uh, if you want to check your time, the list is, is out on the table. Okay, and if you have questions about any of that, just you can come see me right now. Otherwise, um, enjoy this time. I'll see you at 3.30.
everybody doing? How's your hearts? I know for a lot of you this is this is this is deep work, it's tender work. But it's also really important. I repaced um today to meet that. <laughs> And so on the schedule, it talks about the, um, the not doing practice, um, the art of doing nothing. And I wanted to give more time to the compassion practice and to this forgiveness practice because uh, I don't want to rush you through all of this. Um, so I hope that was supportive for you. That was my intention, was that this would be... This, the time would be more supportive. So I, I think that, or my guess is that you're seeing how this, these tenderness practices, grounding practices, compassion practices, forgiveness practice, that all of this is somehow connected, that it's, it's all working together, that these are different approaches to meet the different needs of the heart and mind. And I, I want to bring in the compassion practice again, but bring it in um, and open it up to um, include all beings um, with this flavor of how to um, use the compassion practice to then come into a compassionate action, um, to actually use these practice, practices to do something. And that could be many different things. It doesn't necessarily mean like an activist um, do something, but it might for some of you where you're working right now with the, um, the sorrow in the world. Um, for others of you, that might be that the compassion action um, is somehow related to the forgiveness practice and actually coming, um, you know, maybe asking for forgiveness from someone or engaging somehow with that. It might be more of the just the compassion piece, being more compassionate with someone in your life that is important to you, but maybe you've been a little walled off or very walled off, and you want to change that relationship. So there's a lot of ways in which this internal process that you're in uh, can then be lived outwardly. And I, I find this to be an important piece to um, uh, the unfolding of these practices. Uh, Angelus Arian, she uh, is quoted as saying that action absorbs anxiety. And I it's pithy <laughs> and but also just so direct and could be used in so many different situations where we feel a stuckness of well now what you know I'm doing this inner uh, this inner work but I'm still in this conflict with this other person. And so at some point there might be that what's needed is some kind of of action. And how we go about that is really important. 
you know, if we're going about it in a way that is from the anxiety or it's from our fear, um, our confusion, then the actions that we take are most likely going to be very clumsy. The words that we choose and the tone that we use um, may not get our truest intention across. You know, we can cause more harm in this way. So we have to be um, careful and attentive to how we do this. This is a poem by Naomi uh, uh, Shihab Nye about compassion. Um, It's called Shoulders. And when I read this, uh, whenever I read this, I think about, I have a three-year-old, and I think about him when he is um, really upset about something, maybe full-blown-out tantrum on the floor, and uh, when he calms down, because it only works when he's he calms down a little bit, what it's like to be a mother to pick up your child and hold him or her and have that <coughs> be in that um, role of soothing and care um, with another person. Um, and if he has already started to calm down, usually I can feel his nervous system relax, and then I can relax with his nervous system or vice versa. And so I think about that with this poem, and it also makes me think of how it's a a metaphor of how we can hold each other uh, with this care and gentleness, His, his shoulders. A man crosses the street in rain, stepping gently, looking two times, north and south, because his son is asleep on his shoulder. No car must splash him, no car drive too near to his shadow. This man carries the world's most sensitive cargo, but he's not marked. Nowhere does his jacket say fragile, handle with care. His ears fill up with breathing, he hears the hum of, a, of the boy's dream deep inside him. We're not going to be able to live in this world if we're not willing to do what he's doing with one another. The road will only be wide and the rain will never stop falling. So these practices of compassion that we're engaging internally, it gives us... Um, ability, it it gives us the know-how of how to hold others um, in their struggles, how to approach maybe the difficulty or the pain in the world, how to stay close to that without being overwhelmed, without um, going uh, fully into disconnect in some way. This is a quote from Joanna Macy, um, who's local here, actually, a Dharma person and very involved in um, ecology and the intersection of Buddhist-like practice and uh, climate change. 
And she says that you're capable of suffering with your world. That capacity to suffer with is the literal meaning of compassion, to suffer with. A central virtue in every spiritual tradition. So don't you apologize for those tears you shed or the rage you feel about what's happening in our living planet. They are just the other face of your belonging. So how we hold the sorrows uh, of each other, how we hold the sorrows in the world, has everything to do with how we are relating to our own uh, dukkha, to our own suffering and sorrows. It also has to do with uh, not being lopsided and only seeing the difficulty and uh, the suffering. We have to keep it balanced. We've spent a lot of time in the last two days looking at the dukkha, but I bet you've noticed it's not the only thing that's happening. There is the dukkha, and there is the beauty the joy, the happiness, connection, there's truth, there's so many things, the wisdom, your capacity, your willingness, gratitude, generosity, all of this lives simultaneously. So to only focus on the dukkha is not the full story of the human experience. We do need to direct attention there because it needs our attention, but also this other piece, this other side, if you will, of the human experience needs acknowledgement and we need it. We need it to restore. We need it to um, stay engaged. That steadiness of the mind that I've been talking about uh, it's, it's nourished by that side of things if we're willing to let it in, if we're willing to let it nourish us. It's always there. It's always available. It's part of our relationship with the natural world, which we are fully a part of. Uh, it is one of the gifts that we receive. And then the gift back is knowing it, is receiving it, is acknowledging that beauty. Uh, So I want us to do a short exercise to get in touch with these two parts of the human experience. You could also call it the global experience. Um, And to do this, again, I want you to partner up. You won't be saying a word, (laughs) but you will be sitting with another person. So your, your role in this is very little other than just being present. And I'm going to, uh, do the talking. You just get to be there, but you'll be, you'll be experiencing it. So pair up with somebody, turn towards them. If it's a new person, introduce yourself.
If there's a group of three, that's fine. That actually works just fine for this one. Anybody needing a partner? Okay. Great. Okay. So, um, to begin this, if you want, if it helps to close your eyes to help you ground, you can do that. Feel the breath. Stay connected with yourself through this exercise. And at the same time, I'd like you to open your eyes and just, in whatever way is comfortable, know that this other person is in front of you. So you don't have to look directly into their eyes. You can just have a vague sense that they're there. If you want to look downward, look over their shoulder, um, and actually for this exercise, if you want to turn your chair just slightly, if that's more comfortable, that's fine. It has nothing to do with the other person, but just that intimacy, is, you know, can be challenging. So taking in the fact that this other person is here, knowledge that each one of us as a human being, has experienced the what is called the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. That this person in front of you has experienced sorrow. They've experienced different levels of dukkha. This person in front of you has experienced loss in some way. This person in front of you has experienced sadness, maybe even depression. This person in front of you has experienced failure in some way. This person in front of you has experienced sickness, and the body aging and changing. This person in front of you has experienced death in some way. This person in front of you has at some point encountered their own mortality. This person in front of you has struggled with change. This person in front of you has experienced fear. This person in front of you has experienced the 10,000 sorrows.
Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. This person in front of you has experienced the 10,000 joys. This person in front of you has experienced love. This person in front of you has experienced being cared for in some way. This person in front of you has been the recipient of some kind of generosity. They've experienced gratitude and happiness. This person in front of you has experienced amazement. This person in front of you has experienced some kind of success. This person in front of you has experienced ease and wellness in the body. This person in front of you has felt the vitality of life in some way. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Okay. So if you'd like, you can have just a minute to um, now say hi again to your <laughs> your partner, maybe viewing them in a, a different way. And... Um, You're welcome to share a little bit about what that was like for you uh, and give each other some time.
Okay, you can turn your, your chairs back, and there's a little water right there, so just be careful where you step. Ah. Was that a roller coaster? <laughs> mm. The idea of that particular exercise is to not only encounter your own humanness, but see how that relates to others, especially for those of you who, well, maybe not especially, but certainly with those of you who were with someone who was a complete stranger. Some of you I know in here or with someone you actually know very well. And um, how that can shift our, our viewpoint a little bit. And how important that shift really is in terms of um, how the compassion practice works through us and helps us as we bring that compassion into the world. This is a quote uh, from Larry Yang, who's also a local, um, he's a local Dharma teacher in Oakland, uh, although he's not here that much. He's not so local anymore. I forget that. He's down in Palm Springs most of the time, but sometimes he's up here. Um, great Dharma teacher who wrote the book Awakening Together. It's downstairs in the bookstore. He says, um, and I, I'll just uh, first say about this quote where it, it comes from, which is Larry's. Um, belief and um, commitment to uh, teaching awakening as something that we do in community together. And that is very much the focus of his book. He says, as global conditions seem increasingly incomprehensible, we can humbly recall these words of Anis Nin, which is, We do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. That's really important. (laughs) We do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So Larry goes on to say, Therefore, the greater the number of we are's that we see, the more likely a compassionate response to an often unfathomable life becomes possible. If we only understand life through our own particular lives, we will never feel the breath of life in general and will always be deluded in our pursuit of true awakening. And so even though we come here maybe because... Um, especially for this weekend, because we're going through something, you know, maybe there's something that we're wanting to work on ourselves. Um, And that's a really noble thing. There's nothing selfish about that. Uh, It's important. And it's where we start. It's where we begin. And then as we cultivate these practices of healing, of compassion, of wisdom, the way that moves outward is um, through our actions and through our words, through our being, how we move through the world. We can bring this with us. We do bring it with us. Um, In some ways, over time, it becomes more and more automatic. And it doesn't mean you're perfect. (laughs) We're, we're, We're all learning constantly and developing 
constantly. But um, as we mature this, our spiritual understanding and development, there's a way in which we can be in this world that's greatly needed. And we don't do it alone. We can be in this world in that way together. That that is something we can do um, communally. And so it's in that spirit that I want to bring us now into this practice of compassion opening up to all beings. And the question came earlier about how to open up to all beings because there's some beings that feel like, how can we possibly open up to that? Um, And I'm not saying that what we're about to do is going to answer that question. (laughs) That question may still arise for you. There's some that I just can't include in that all beings. But as we go through uh, this particular meditation, which all beings becomes very general, um, um, we start to even the playing field out of all beings um, a little bit. Not entirely, but a little bit. Uh, And you might notice how that works within you, how the heart can can actually expand and be open to those who are not only um, experiencing harm and suffering, but also those who are the perpetrators of harm and suffering and seeing their suffering within that as well. Um, so this isn't meant to be forced again. This is something that we can incline towards, intend towards. Um, And so meet yourself right where you are with it. Um, Include yourself in all beings. Sometimes we forget. It's almost like, okay, it's coming from here, but somehow we're left out of the mix. (laughs) Let it be something that you enter into um, as well. Uh, That's important. So find a posture that is comfortable and supportive of you right now. Let your eyes close. Breathe deeply. Feel your body grounded, your awareness grounded in the body. You're welcome to breathe in a way that is supportive. So that might mean taking longer, deeper breaths. It might mean just letting the body breathe on its own, 
being easeful with it. We start with the tenderness practice, that general care for our well-being, getting in touch with that in whatever way has been working for you. And then I'd like to invite something that we haven't done yet. Maybe supportive for this pretty expansive practice. And that is to bring to mind your benefactors. Those people in your life who have inspired you, who have supported you, who have helped you get in touch with your best self. Those beings who represent real wisdom and compassion. It might be just one person that comes to mind. It might be a crowd of people. Some of them you might know very dearly and intimately. Others, maybe you don't know them at all, but they've been figures in your life that have inspired you on this path. Bringing them to mind, and if you have the kind of imagination that can do this, imagining them here in the room with you. Imagining their strength and wisdom here, their compassion here, feeling that great capacity And they are here to aid you in case you find your heart starts to close. And if that's true, then you can imagine that it's the benefactors that are actually doing this practice and that you get to um, be in it. 
You get to be in that field of compassion. And we're going to be wishing this compassion uh, or, or experiencing this compassion in the different directions. These are classical directions. And we'll start to the front of us. doesn't matter how you're seated. So whatever the front of you, whatever direction that is. To the best of your ability, imagining all the beings to the front of you around the world. Those who are seen and unseen those who are experiencing real difficulty and challenge, experiencing injustice or harm, those who are hurting in some way, May we hold all beings in this direction with great compassion. Feeling the tenderness for their sorrow, their pain, because we know sorrow and pain. holding their humanness in our heart. I hold these beings with compassion and then include yourself in the phrase, I hold us with compassion. Noticing if there's an image of someone who comes to mind that you feel is just not worthy to be in this field of compassion. Maybe you're not ready to hold them there. Let them go be with the benefactors. Let the benefactors hold them in compassion. Let yourself be in that field as well. May we all be held with compassion.
Opening then to the right side. Um, Staying open to those in front of us, but now almost like uh, there's a window shade that is drawn to the right of us. All beings in this direction held in compassion. May I hold them in compassion, imagining all these beings to the side of you, those who are going through real difficulty and challenge, experiencing pain and sorrow. Hardship, injustice. Those who are causing this harm, their delusion, their ignorance, their greed and hate. Feeling the immense dukkha of that. Knowing that dukkha within ourself. May I hold us with compassion. May we be held with compassion. Breathing deeply, if it's helpful, imagining as you breathe in this filling of the body with compassion and care and love. And as you breathe out, imagining it radiating out like a light in these two directions. Then bringing your attention behind you, may all beings in this direction those that are seen and unseen, those who are in great pain, experiencing suffering. Those who are causing suffering. May I hold them all with compassion. May I hold us with compassion. He be held with compassion. 
Breathing deeply, radiating now in these three directions as you breathe out. Meeting the pain of the world with your care, love, healing, in awareness of the left side of your body. All beings in this direction, those seen and unseen, those who are suffering greatly, Those who are stressed, those experiencing dukkha, those who are causing harm. Not just to others, but to themselves as well. Those who are disconnected. Guarded and living through their fear. Recognizing those patterns within ourself. Acknowledging the dukkha there. May hold us with compassion. May we all be held with compassion. Breathing deeply, now radiating our care and love and healing maybe even forgiveness in all four directions. Now, as we find ourselves place, acknowledging living beings. Let's take a moment to especially acknowledge the planet, this earth, and all the life 
may be human or not human. Not excluding any of it. (coughs) Extending our compassion to any suffering that may be happening to not just the humans but the animals the insects the birds the fish land Breathing in deeply, breathing out to meet the suffering in the world with our care and compassion, a heart that is as open as it can be in this moment. Including ourself in the field, If it's too much, it's overwhelming. If even having the benefactors be the ones who are holding this is just not enough. Come back to your feet. Come back to the feeling of sitting here. Ground your attention. You can come back into this field only if you feel that capacity. Those of you who are still with the compassion piece, if you notice fatigue or a guarding or a disconnect that comes in, One way to support yourself is to now open up to mudita or sympathetic joy. Thinking about all the beauty (coughs) in all directions, the goodness of people, the generosity of people, Willingness to help others. 
to help a neighbor, a friend, or someone they don't even know. This capacity of true compassion and action from human beings. Taking in, as you breathe in now, the gratitude of the world, the happiness, the connections between people, animals, and the earth. Breathing in all the wisdom and compassion that exists beauty we're a part of. Let yourself breathe that in deeply, filling yourself with that knowledge that that too is here. these things within yourself. Beautiful your own care is. It's wanting to engage in compassion. Your intentions for practicing and being here. The different ways you show up in the world that makes other people smile or laugh or feel safe and secure. The way you offer your friendship, your love. Don't get entangled with your imperfections. Let yourself breathe in some of these truths that these two are here. Bring your attention to the breath, breathing naturally now, breathing with ease. Feel the body in the chair. Bring your attention, be grounded in the body.
So this day is not complete. This weekend is not complete. It's probably a starting point. A starting point of practice, of engaging in a particular way in your inner world and also maybe in your outer world, how you take these practices out into um, the actions and, and into your speech. Let it be guided somehow from this place of an open heart and to keep exploring that. The questions that you may have, maybe you came here with certain questions and now you're leaving with new ones. Engage with those. Continue to ask them for yourself. Explore them for yourself to better understand. There are many ways that you can continue these practices. I uh, listed a number of books and an article that might be helpful um, going forward. I've mentioned to a few of you uh, about dharmaseed.org, which is an online um, Web, it's a website, I guess, that um, it's also an app for your smartphone that contains thousands upon thousands of Dharma talks and guided practices. You can type in compassion practice, Brahma Vihara, um, sympathetic joy, all these different things, whatever it is that you are working with, grief. Um, and see what comes up to receive further guidance in that way. I think a lot of you are local, or at least local to the Bay Area, and um, to seek more community to practice with. They're all over the place, (laughs) especially if you're in the Bay Area, you're probably not far from a sitting group, whether it's through um, a sitting group related to this center, which there are many, and they're listed on the website, um, or in a different tradition, but finding community to help support you um, to continue the deepening of, of your practice and understanding. I teach in Berkeley. This is one of those groups. You're free to come any Thursday from 7.30 to 9.30 at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery, and um, you'll find it at insightberkeley.org. Um because of the time that we have left, uh, we won't do our, our wisdom circle. But I would like to um, offer you a blessing again. Um, and this is another one from John O'Donohue, who is, uh, speaks from the, uh, the Celtic tradition, which I mentioned um, It's another lineage that I am a part of. Uh, This is uh, translates to blessing or benak, and there's a word in here kurok, which is a net. It's an ancient net used for fishing. So just to keep that in mind, that image in mind. So you can close your eyes. Uh, and receive this in whatever way you would like. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the gray window and the ghost of loss 
gets into you. May a flock of colors, indigo, red, green, and azul, blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the crook of thought and a stain of ocean blackness beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours. May the clarity of light be yours. May the fluency of the ocean be yours. May the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. Let's dedicate the merit of our weekend together. So in the same spirit that we just offered all that compassion, we can offer the dedication of the wholesomeness, uh, the wisdom, all that heart that we cultivated here, that it not just be for us, but for all beings everywhere. You might at this time just bring to mind someone in your life who has been on your mind. Maybe they've been in your heart this weekend and you'd like to especially dedicate this time to them. If you'd like, you can say their name out loud. You can do that now. May the merit of this practice be for all beings. May all beings everywhere find happiness and contentment in their lives. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings be free. May we all be free. So I wish you all the best as you go forward, and I hope our paths cross again. I'm going to stay here for a little bit um, since I wasn't able to do a final Q&A. So if you have any questions, you're welcome to come up, and um, and we can chat a little bit. Yeah, thank you, everyone. to pick up all the chairs Jessica there um Gabriella's going to chair holder for Rex? yeah chair okay. Rex.
actually uh, unscrew the bottom to take the batteries out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.